everyone, and welcome to The Insatiable Appetite. My name is Melissa Abbott. I'm VP of Hartman Retainer Services. And uh, if you've been listening to uh, Insatiable Appetite and are followers of the Hartman Group in general, you probably know that we're pretty serious when it comes to providing the latest consumer insights and cultural food trends. But we wanted to give our listeners a little behind the scenes peek into some of the fun that we get up to here at Hartman that helps us to inform our perspectives. And Joining me once again is my colleague, Robert Hashizume, our Trend Trek organizer extraordinaire and guide into all things worthy of exploration here in the beautiful Pacific Northwest. Hey, Melissa. Yeah, it's my pleasure to join you once again on this podcast. And we've both been on the Trend Trek planning committee for so long, and we've been on some so, so fun and interesting food destinations over the years. And, you know, our goal is to get the folks here at the Hartman Group a way to experience the latest food trends at actual physical locations, seeing it with their very own eyes, hearing it, smelling it, tasting it. Because, you know, the most of us, most of the time, we're usually on our laptops or virtual the last couple of years. And so we want to see things in person. So these truck destinations have included sampling trucks, sampling food trucks in South Lake Union, touring Bastyr University's innovative vegan cafeteria, touring the Starbucks Reserve Roastery when it first opened, which was pretty amazing at the time. Yeah. I'm visiting with the great folks at 21 Acres Farm, my, my new favorite place to visit, and learning all about their organic farming and regenerative agricultural practices, and actually talking to people wearing gumboots, overalls, and with, with dirt under their fingernails, right? I mean, when I sh- shop at a farmer's market, I mean, it's more authentic if the farmer selling the product has dirt under the fingernails, right? That's just me, but... Um, and so we've also visited, you know, cannabis dispensaries, recycling yep. sorting center in conjunction with our sustainability study. And we've, we've visited a whole bunch of innovative food retailers. So our, for our latest trek, we did a beach cleanup for Puget Soundkeeper, a nonprofit here in Seattle, keeping our waterways safe and clean for our resident orcas and other marine life that are critical to the surrounding ecosystem. And in true Seattle style, of course, it rained like crazy that June day. And actually, for a lot of Northwesterners, summer really doesn't really start until after the 4th of July. So yeah. it wasn't unexpected it would rain in June. But, but you know, we're a hardy bunch in the Northwest. So we pulled up, pulled our, our hoods on, put on our rubber boots, and we went to work cleaning the plastic waste off the beaches. And in conjunction, we had planned a tasting of products related to our our current Q2 syndicate study, Modern Eating Approaches, for after the cleanup. But because of the rain, we moved that indoors because, you know, it's raining buckets that day and we wanted to enjoy our eating and tasting. So, and Melissa, I know you always come up with some very interesting and innovative food and beverage items when we have these internal tastings. So can you tell our, our listeners what the team at Hartman got to sample? Absolutely, Robert. And it has been so so much fun over the years uh, working on planning these treks with you. And just I, it was like a little memory lane trip I just had there. So thanks for that re- those reminders. Yeah, and I was pretty glad we actually moved the tasting party indoors that rainy day. Um, and so what was really interesting is we focused on products that reflected eating approaches covered in our modern eating report. 
an absolutely incredible study on various ways people in the U.S. eat, and it was just published yesterday. So if you want to learn more about that, uh, definitely reach out to us to get your hands on um, our Modern Eating Q2 syndicated study. So we procured a variety of products that were supporting claims that surfaced in the report for the tasting. This included, of, of course, keto and plant-based and the newer hybrid claim of plant-based keto. And our Hartman tasters had some opinions uh, about a few of the products. As we always do. Yeah. Yeah, so I know in our modern eating study, keto, along with other low-carb diets, was tried by 17% of consumers in the past year. So keto is somewhat gaining you know, some traction. So how do the products with a keto claim do, Melissa? Yeah, so keto products from Epic, which they have a lot of more keto-oriented products out there because they are, you know, they're all animal-based, sustainably sourced, of course. Um, where there was a split um, amongst our tasters where the sea salt and pepper pork rinds with less than a gram of carbs received pretty good reviews, while Epic's chicken crisps uh, that were basically like chips made out of chicken and coconut flour, they were met with general confusion and a hard pass on seconds. So it does seem that the keto focus, it's shifted to low sugar. So we sampled Lily's gummy bears and gummy worms. Um, I actually really like those myself. And Lily's got started uh, in the sugar-free chocolate category with chocolate bars and chocolate baking chips. And they were recently purchased by Hershey, good move on Hershey's part, and uh, have now ventured into gummy candy. And our tasters were really impressed with the healthier sweet treat um, that Lily's offered with no artificials and actually has added fiber too. So really interesting in terms of like not necessarily a, a very, you know, hard push on keto, but it is definitely a keto product. So we anticipate things like that kind of having longer lasting um, legs in the in the trend space. Right. So, so low carb gummy bears one up over chicken crisps in the keto category. Yeah. Seems like we still like our sweets here in the U.S., but we just want better for you options, of course. Mm -hmm. So, Melissa, what was the take on the plant-based products? In our same study, we found that 13% of consumers engaged in plant-centered eating over the past year. How did the sampling go for these you know, plant-based products? Yeah, so there are so many products out there, as you well know, Robert, that are claiming front and center plant-based. Um, some of them, it's like maybe they don't even need to use that term on the front of the package. But um, this one, plant-based definitely ran the gamut. And you can see with within this tasting how R&D has made a lot of really great advancements in some areas while they're still working out some of the kinks in others. So we also found some of our tasters really favored Beyond Meat's infused smoked jerky, while other tasters really preferred Archer's plant-based jerky that was made with whole food sourced oyster mushrooms. So you've got one that's going to be a little bit more um, processed and it had like an added, maybe not so naturally smoked flavor in the Beyond Meat. And then the uh, Archer's had, was a little bit more naturally sourced whole food um, origin. So it's really coming down to preference in some categories and level of processing in others where texture actually becomes 
becomes an issue in relation to shelf life. So, uh, Robert, what do you have to say about that when it comes to the shelf life? Yeah, of course. I mean, I know the issue of shelf life is important in plant-based snacking categories, you know, where Christmas can be an issue. Our tasters were excited to try the plant-based parm chips, which were vegan and, of course, dairy-free, but they really lack the crispy texture, which is part of the, the, you know, the name of the product. So that was kind of a, you know, kind of a no-go. Yeah, when you've got crisp in your title of your name, it's 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 pretty imperative that it retains that on shelf for at least some amount of time, right? So the not-so-crisp vegan parm crisps were a bummer. But if we did have one clear winner across the board, and we did, it was the cauliflower snacking crackers made by From the Ground Up. And it was an everything flavor, which right now everything seems to be everything flavor, especially at the uh, the recent fancy food show. Apparently, everything flavor was all over. We've even seen it in ice creams as well. But it worked out really well in these cauliflower-based snacking um, uh, crackers. And they were super tasty. And guess what? They were super crispy, almost shatteringly crispy. Uh, so we just want to put a little plug out there for manufacturers. If you're listening, um, American snackers with a bent towards less process really like shatteringly crisp snack crackers. That's a little tip for our R&D friends. And we did try another plant-based trip, chip from Barnana. Barnana is doing some really interesting stuff with sustainable sourcing and um, recycling, um, upcycling ingredients and that kind of thing. It was really popular, this Barnana uh, product. So like the other plant-based and keto snacks, they happen to be gluten-free with limited grams of sugar. But these fiber-packed chips were made from plantains. So it was a really nice dippable chip. Um, for those who are avoiding corn, say for allergenic reasons or for glycemic index issues, if you're trying to watch your sugars. Um, and then we also know that paleo eaters, they're still around, those paleo eaters, they also avoid corn. So we can expect to see more snack products made with plantains and their prebiotic fiber boost on the horizon. Wow, interesting. So it sounds like the plant-based and keto trends are shaping up to be about low sugar, more vegetables, good fats, and protein from sources like nuts and, and seeds. That's exactly right. So as many of these products that we're seeing that are plant-based come into the mar- into the marketplace, a lot of them are these meat analogs, which of course those are going to have their uh, target consumers who are looking to reduce meat overall. But really where we see this trend of plant-based, you know, the, where it's going around that bend for the long term is going to be about more holistic nutrition, much more nutritious from whole food ingredients, again, nuts and seeds and legumes as well. So um, then we also see how claims indicating minimal processing will also feed the success of this trend of plant-based. So overall, we're likely to see the plant-based claim continue to be more prominent along with low or no sugar or less processed carbohydrates as more uh, informative. That is really going to be more informative as a claim than keto 
than the keto claim for the long term. So while keto is a really neat kind of fad right now, and there's nothing wrong with fads because you can really gain some, you know, market share, um, you know, have some quick turnover in that way. That you can, that there's nothing necessarily wrong with it. But for long term, especially for brand uh, growth and for brand health, really looking at how you use these claims appropriately and making sure that you're targeting long-term what you know the, the younger consumers and the more engaged health and wellness consumers are seeking it is really about the you know the plant-based claim is going to be more about less processed and that low and no sugar or those less processed carbohydrates interesting yeah so consumers seeking these better for you products whether from animal or plant-based sources are also interested in getting better gut health Mm. Which leads us to the ne- next beverage you curated. We tried a surprisingly good probiotic seltzer called Huzza, from, made from Molson Coors Company. It rivaled the local kombucha we tried, and we were hopeful that they do well in the marketplace, given how well they managed a tasty beverage that's great for the gut and is low sugar. Yeah, we were really pleased and surprised, I have to say, with the Huzza um, from from Molson Coors of um, of all ben- beverage manufacturers getting into the um, the probiotic game. And it, like like you said, Robert, it definitely rivaled um, some of the more sour, um, funky kombuchas that are out there. So I personally wouldn't mind washing down these delicious gluten-free uh, it was a brownie brittle from Sheila G's, which is an interesting, uh, you know, product brand name in and of itself. But they're really delicious. This brownie brittle um, that happens to be gluten free. So we sampled that. I would love to, you know, pair that with a cold Huzza probiotic beverage so I can get my gluten free and my gut health claims, um, you know, and those two topics right there, those categories, gluten-free and gut health, they will continue to evolve. uh, But overall, they're here to stay. It's not like, okay, what's next beyond gluten-free? We're going to continue to see gluten-free as part of the the mainstream marketplace offerings, uh, because there are consumers who really do require that for better gut health and for a whole host of other um, health and wellness reasons, not not necessarily just weight loss. And then, of course, gut health, really important um, for overall that root of of wellness. So to summarize, um, you know, we found there is still relevance in plant-based, though research and development, the R&D folks, they kind of need to work out some of the kinks when it comes to maintaining shelf life for those crispy snack products. Yeah. And and keto still has a small window of opportunity, but we see longer-term opportunity in products that are less processed and have low-sugar Think of those no added sugar lilies, gummy bears. Mm. So we'll start to see less interest in meat snacks formulated into shapes and puffs in the salty snack aisle, though both sustainably sourced and plant-based jerky will still have their place. Yeah, for sure. I don't think because, you know, that's a traditional food in and of itself, the the meat jerky itself. But once you start to extrude it or put it into a crisp, that's where the, the cultural resonance kind of falls away. So this has been wonderful, and I am so appreciative of of this great conversation about our trend treks and our tasting parties here at Hartman. So, Robert, any thoughts on our next Hartman team trek? Yes, I guess, you know, I guess we'll give a a sneak preview to our listeners. All uh, right. For those listening to this podcast only. So, um, well, we tend to align our treks and tastings with our current syndicated study, 
uh, topic. And the most, the next one is going to be food sourcing, which is our next major uh, Q3 syndicate study. So we might want to look at sourcing some global food to share with the tr- with the team. What do you think, Melissa? I'm uh, fun, all, right? all for that. Yeah. Yep, thumbs up. I mean, we have some incredible Ethiopian food, for example, right here in the Seattle area. So I think the fermented bread of injera might be the next topic on this podcast. What do you think? I love that so much. And I love injera so much. I love how it's fermented and it's you could put all the meat and the vegetables in it and eat it with your hands. It's just such a wonderful, flavorful, unique food. And we do have some really great Ethiopian food here in Seattle. So I'm, I back you up on that one, Robert. I'm, I'm all for it. And uh, I look forward to it. Yeah, sounds good. Great. Well, thank you so much. And um, as Robert and I have mentioned throughout this uh, podcast, that our Q2 study, uh, Modern Ways of Eating, um, has just been published. So do reach out to us at um, hartman-group.com and we will uh, connect with you on how to access the report. So until next time, thanks so much, everyone. Thanks, Robert. Thanks, Melissa.